Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 3, Episode 7 of Farscape. Thanks for sharing. Okay, I'm starting to get into kind of a lost territory with uh, Farscape, where it really feels like you only need to watch like the first three minutes and then the last five minutes of any given episode. I mean, it's true that Farscape, as one of the first really serialized shows i mean it's kind of that hybrid between monster of the week and serialization that was happening right around this time period it's true that because of that it does have a the last five minutes are really exciting so that you tune in next week vibe i mean a lot of this episode is just farting around on whatever planet okay i thought this episode actually moved at a pretty crisp pace all things considered I'm going to be honest, I was in and out for a lot of this. I just, I did not care about whatever the, I I mean, the Farscape crew, or Moya crew didn't care about what was going on in the planet either, and then they didn't really resolve anything, so it was kind of just like, what was the point of that? I mean, I guess that's why this is one of the episodes that I love. This is one of my favorite episodes, and I think it's because it kind of sets up the idea that Moya's crew are getting to be bigger deals in the universe. They run into this piddly little planet and everyone on the planet is like, oh, you must be here because of all of our internal Shakespearean squabbling. And they're like, yeah, for me, this is Tuesday. We we do not care about your internal bullshit. And also, they are known when they go to the planet. The planet recognizes them as the people who robbed the Shadow Depository. I honestly, I think they did it better in the episode where the, you know, they were in that bar and then that kindergarten was going to explode or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. I think that did everything this episode did much better, except for the stuff with Aaron's mom, which I like a lot, but it's just such a small part of this episode. Oh, wow. Well, let's get into it and see if I can change your mind, because this is one of my favorite episodes. I mean, it's not like top tier, like different destinations, but it's it's one I enjoy a lot. Hmm. This episode has a previously on, speaking of serialization, essentially so that we know that Crichton has been split into two Crichtons, equal and, well, not opposite, equal and equal, equal and identical Crichtons. Neither one is the clone of the other. So I kind of thought that given how much time it gets in the uh, opening, that Chiana would be dealing with some of the fallout from watching herself die, but that's not really a part of this episode. Yeah, the Chiana's breakdown isn't really part of this plot. It's strange that they put that in there. Yeah, because they put a lot of her watching herself die in the opening thing, and it's like, why? I think maybe they wanted to kind of misdirect you into thinking they were going to kill off John in this episode. And, I mean... To get ahead one of, of the Johns. One of the Johns. I mean, to get ahead of ourselves a little bit, one of the Johns is grievously injured, and the other John has to save his life, and the injured John says, you know, it would be easier for everyone if you let me die, but John, that's not how John is, is built. And not only would it be easier for both Johns if you let John die, it would be easier as a story convention if you let the other John die, but... That's not the kind of show this is. I could have just stuck him in one of those freezer tubes and then used him for organs when John inevitably needs new organs. That's horrifying. That's a horrifying idea. It's such a horrifying idea that it's the plot of that movie, The Island, which was actually a remake of a 
of the Clonus Horror. The Clonus Horror was the original one. Hmm. Wasn't that also a thing in Logan's Run? No, Logan's Run, they just kill you when you're old because they don't like old people. Yeah. I thought that there was a secondary thing where their organs were being used for something. Also, was that the plot of Elysium? I saw so many trailers for that, but I didn't. Because I know there's a there's a bunch of things where, you know, oh, there are people who live in a perfect society, but then it turns out they're just clones for rich people who are just waiting for organs to be necessary. Like, that's kind of a go-to plot for right. sci-fi. I mean, that is, that is the plot of, uh, I think it's called Never Let Me Go. It was a novel that got made into a movie. I just read the book, though. I didn't see the movie. You'd think if the cloning technology was available, they'd just be able to clone the body parts you need. You wouldn't need to make a whole separate person. In basically every one of these fictions, they do like a hand-waving thing at the beginning where they're like, oh yeah, we just we just ha- tried to do it with just organs and it didn't work, so it had to be whole humans. And sometimes the rest of the world doesn't know whole humans are being cloned, like the rich people think it's just organs being cloned so that they don't feel guilty about killing essentially themselves. Well, it's your, it's your problem with that one short story where, yes, this is a moral quandary that literally only exists because you needed a moral quandary for this story. The, the one with the airlock. The hard equations, yeah. yeah. Well, I would have more of a problem with it if those stories were usually told from the point of view of the rich people, but usually they're told from the point of view of the clones overthrowing the system, and I'm all for that. Mm. Except for Never Let Me Go, which is not told from the point of view of the clones overthrowing the system, or rather they are trying to overthrow the system, but that's not the point. And the author of that novel said that they basically just wanted to create a world where people's lifespan was seriously limited, where they knew that they would die before they were 30 so that they could do a love story in that context. So So they just wanted to do Logan's Run. I was actually going to say that one's much more like a Cancer Kid book than a a clone saga story. It's very depressing to me that you said that, like... Which I know it is. It's like a, it's, it's a, a thing. subgenre. It's a trope in young adult fiction. So let's talk about Farscape. Jewel has kind of taken over Zan's position as the science person because I guess. She... Well, it's like in D anD D, right? Um, someone, someone's character dies and they get replaced by a suspiciously similar uh, person to fill in the role. Well, more specifically here, they had a healer in Zan. And now they don't have a healer, but they have somebody who has the heal skill. So they're like, ugh, I guess we'll have to use Jewel's heal skill since we don't have anyone who has any healing spells anymore. Because she's smart. That's her deal. She's like super, super intelligent. So she's trying to heal Crace, who they found on an injured Talon last episode. Crace is also injured. They're both injured. And she's like, there's only so much I can do with such a simple life form. You people are like worms compared to me, and I don't know how to do worm surgery. Which, Jewel, seriously, seriously, Jewel, seriously. I know that's what you hate about Jewel. Although I feel like there were some Jewel moments in here that that warmed you to her a little bit. Yes, I am coming around somewhat on Jewel. I would still prefer that she not be in the show. You just want her to get back on her cruise ship and just go back on her vacation? Yes, I don't like her, as as I said last time, I don't like her, but I don't like her in a way where I just don't want to see her. I don't want bad things to happen to her. That's nice. So, John and Aaron are talking about the, uh, the other John, and, well, John and John and Aaron are talking about John, and they mention the episode My Three Crichtons just to point out this isn't the same thing. In that case, it was totally fine to kill the other two Crichtons. <laughs> I mean, you did it, so there's no use crying over spilled dead Crichton. clone, but yes. 
But, like, I'd say it isn't exactly more morally clear to, you know, kill the, oh, there's a hyper-evolved guy and there's a, you know, hyper-unevolved guy because that's how evolution works, I guess. Like, it's not better that they're like, okay, we're just going to kill the super-intelligent John and then feed caveman John to an evil portal thing. I mean, to be fair, caveman John sacrificed his life for the portal thing. I mean, not for the portal thing, in the portal thing. They could have just tossed it dead future John. It only needed one John. And it didn't specify it needed an alive John. I think that was... I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's That episode is so far in the past. We're, we're... <laughs> I, I mean, I guess you probably shouldn't try to weasel out of... Deals know. with all-powerful aliens? I was going to say deal, but I mean, it's more... Uh... Threats? You shouldn't, you shouldn't play games with the all-powerful alien force that are threatening your ship? Yeah, you shouldn't try to weasel your way around the ultimatum given to you by some weird extra-dimensional dudes who have a hard-on for cloning and then dissecting things. Yeah. So, uh, Aaron gives one of the Johns a shirt and is like, wear this so I can tell you apart. And he's like, so that means you think I'm not the real John? She's like, no, you were closer and we just need a way to differentiate between the two of you this is literally i know you're both the same guy shut up we learn that they're in orbit around a planet that has chromexin which is what talon needs to recover aaron wants to go check out talon and john doesn't want to leave Crace alone on moya and i mean hey easy solution right (laughs) there are two johns and the drones don't really trust each other which is odd i think Well, given how this episode ends, and the fact that we know that either John would have done this if given the choice, I think it makes perfect sense that they don't trust each other. They don't trust each other because they know. So, John says that Crace is obviously lying, that that Aaron can't possibly trust him. And I like Aaron says, I don't trust him, but in this case, I believe him. I love that distinction. This actually kind of, it's something that bothers me. I mean, I get why they didn't do it, but a lot of the current dynamic between Aaron and Crace is reliant on the several months they spent together, which was all off screen. Mm. So they have this entirely different relationship now based on stuff that happened in between seasons that we didn't see. Well, I mean, if you want to see Aaron and Crace's relationship evolve i have some good news for you aaron's gonna be on talent for quite a while the thing is i i don't i just don't like that this is all reliant on stuff that happened off screen even if it isn't something i would have particularly enjoyed seeing okay i mean one of the things about farscape one of the things that differentiates it from other shows is that there's an acknowledgement of all of the things that happen off screen that we're only seeing select adventures I mean, this isn't like Charmed, where Gramps' ghost finds out that Piper gave birth to a second baby, because apparently they didn't feel like telling Gramps' ghost at any point during the pregnancy that, uh... Also, you'd think that she'd be aware of that as, you know, a, a ghost. ghost? Yeah, but then for whatever reason on Charmed, Brad Kern's like, hey, if it didn't happen on screen, that means it didn't happen. Ugh. So, down on the planet, Rigel is negotiating with someone for the drug that they need for Talon, and some some facial hair douche is uh, sexually harassing Chiana. Like, a lot. Okay, A, 
why is Chiana here? Like, I mean, putting aside the fact that she should probably just be chillaxing on Moya for a little bit, given what happened last episode. Mm-hmm. Like, Chiana is not the person you bring to a negotiation. What if the person you end up having to negotiate with is a, a, a you know, young, horny guy? You know what? I'm going to amend that. Bring Chiana or bring Dargo. Don't bring both of them. See, I feel like they didn't know who they were going to have to negotiate with. So they were like, bring the muscle, bring the sexy girl, and bring the diplomat. See, on its own, that feels like a really good idea. But given the emotional connections between Chiana and Dargo, these are not the people you want to have negotiating at the same time. I mean, that's fair. Also, Chiana is just kind of sitting in the corner being really distraught while this is happening. Uh, uh, you know, until the sexual harassment starts. And then Dargo's like, hey! <laughs> Which, you know, good for Dargo. Yes, good for Dargo. Like, Dargo does the right thing. He he goes and he kicks that guy's ass. But, uh-oh, it turns out that guy is, like, the prince of the planet and also the guy that can say whether or not they can buy the Chromexin they need. So, uh... Oops. Yeah, the... Alien lady that fish guy Rigel was negotiating with, I spent this entire scene staring at, she's got these like spine things coming out of her hair, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I can't figure out if that is in-universe because everyone else in this bar is just like a human-looking person. I can't figure out if she's an alien, a different kind of alien and those are natural, or if she's just like wearing yeah, decorations. I think it's a hair styling choice. I think they're like hair hair sticks, like the chopsticks you use in your hair. Yeah. But yes, Dargo has ruined this negotiation by beating the crap out of the minister of giving crap to people who don't live on this planet. Although I mean I really can't blame Dargo for this. Yes. I mean, they could have just left. Gianna could have left. I mean, that guy was, like, physically assaulting her. He was, like, all up in her boobs. Like, she was trying to get away from him, and he had her cornered. If only she could jump really, really high. I know she did it once and never again, but it's it's a thing that would be useful. She could have used it to escape from that guy last episode. If you don't establish a character can do something and then never do it ever again. Again, like in Charmed, when they establish that the sisters have a telepathic connection in, like, season five, and then it literally never comes up ever again. Yes. Uh, So, John and Stark have gone over to Talon to try to get him fixed up to see what's going on. And other John is still on the ship harassing Jewel to fix Crace faster. And she's like, well, look, A, yelling at me is not going to get you, you know, your weird ape man fixed faster. B, I'm hungry. If, if, if there was anything you could do to get your garbage people fixed faster, maybe, maybe getting me some food. And John's like, hey, um, how about instead of that, I will go get you food. And specifically, she wants something sweet. So he says he'll go into Rigel's secret stash and bring her something sweet. If she will check a DNA sample of him and an old sample that Zan took and see who is the clone and who is the real John. And she's like, "Ugh, God, the worst, but fine. And then as she goes to get that started... 
Kray starts strangling her because that's how Kray works, I guess. Well, I mean, he wakes up. He doesn't know where he is. He just knows that there is a person in leather, in honestly, in very Scorpius-looking leather, you, like a S&M Barbie, like Scorpius's hench person. Is she still alive or did she die? I think she's alive. I don't remember. <laughs> anyway... He is choking Jewel, and he's like, who are you? Where am I? And John runs in, and he's like, Grace, it's just Moya. We just, we, we get people. We take people on. You know that. Calm down. And Jewel's like, all right, I woke him up. Now I hope he dies. Fair. Yeah, fair. And Aaron runs in, like, way too late with a blaster drawn. And Grace is like, Aaron, my good friend. And Aaron's like, oh, God. Now I have to, I have to navigate this very, very unpleasant social dynamic between Grace and John now. Well, well also, Grace didn't know that she died. Or came back Grace didn't dead. know that she came back from the dead. So, like, for him, this is shocking. Like, he was, he was messed up when she died, and now she's back. So, remember that episode of Lower Decks where Shax comes back? <laughs> you never ask how Bridge Crew comes back. They always come back, but you don't ask. It's, it's rude. rude. Uh, so they want to know who was chasing Crace, who beat up Talon so badly. And John asks if it's the Skeksis because, <laughs> get it, it's the names, puppets they use. Okay, but he names a bunch of fictional alien races because he's just being John, dropping his Earth references. It's just a coincidence that the Skeksis are... Uh, a puppet that they used in this show. Yeah. <laughs> and... Grace tells them it was the peacekeepers that kicked the shit out of them. Dun, dun, dun. Yup. I mean, yeah. I mean, Talon should have been able, Talon can beat normal peacekeepers. So it was like peacekeeper elite squad stuff. But not the like weird ghost squad that they brought up earlier, right? Right, right. Which is what this was. No, uh, this is the. Oh, right. This isn't like the Marauders. This is like. A different weird ghost squad that the Peacekeepers have. Because yeah. The Peacekeepers don't seem particularly organized for what their thing is for a fascist organization that controls a large part of the universe. Yeah, the the Peacekeepers have a real Cobra thing going on where they act like they're this regimented military organization, but actually it's just a bunch of different people in differently themed costumes that don't go together. I like that you went with Cobra, not G.I. Joe. I guess because Cobra are the bad guys. Right, exactly. Also G.I. Joe, because they're... <laughs> Wait, what's the line from Community? Okay, so we're, we're a military organization, but everyone just dresses however they want and does whatever they want. Who's in charge here? Right? Anyway, back on the planet, the uh, prince guy who got beat up is like, um, yeah, we're not giving anything to them. They are known criminals. Speaking of charms, this guy has real charmed villain vibes. He does. He seems like the kind of guy that would play a warlock on Charmed. And Rigel's like trying to be a smooth talker, but, you know, they... Wouldn't you just want them to leave your planet as quickly as possible? Isn't this a Mike Nelson Destroyer of Worlds thing? There's a running gag in Mystery Science Theater 3000 when Mike becomes the main guy that he keeps on accidentally blowing up planets. Ah. And it's like, you'd think you would want these people not to be on your planet so you would give them what they want so they would leave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they ask Rigel why he wants the Chromexin because it can be used as a weapon. And he's like, I need it for medical purposes. And they're like, it doesn't have any medical purposes. And he's like, 
Not that you know of. Your tiny little planet. Seriously. Also, they 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 blew up the shadow depository. They could easily blow up your planet if they wanted to. Like, well, and- oh no, you're going to have a different way to kill us than the way you already have to kill us. Well, and they are suspicious of them that they might have warships because Moya and Talon are are orbiting like in a low orbit where they can't be detected because of the like ion clouds and shit specifically because they're hiding from the peacekeepers who attack talon but you know it also means that people on this planet can't see who's there and raj is like we are no threat to you we just want to make a harmless transaction and the princess is like okay well let's just sell them the chromexin yes there are three people here there is the princess who just wants to you know, give them what they want and get them the hell off her planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she is the peaceful angel on her father, the king's shoulder. And the prince is like, no, I think we should blow them up because that's the smart thing to... That's stupid. He's... he's That's just... It's such a dumb... I know. They should just give them their stuff and let them go. But uh, the king uh, agrees with the prince. He's like, yeah, you have an hour to get out of here or else we're going to start shooting you out of the sky. Why? Why would that, oh, let's unnecessarily escalate this instead of just giving these people what they want in exchange for money. The thing that, you know, our planet runs, what? I think that's another thing that bothers me about this episode. The conflict feels just so forced. Well, I mean, it's it's not forced. It's that the people on this planet believe themselves to be the center of the universe. They think that everything is a plot against them when in fact they're just like, they're just like the truck stop on the edge of the uncharted territories. So, Crace and Aaron are alone now, and Crace is replaying the stuff from Talon because, you know, he has access to Talon's logs to show Aaron and John the retrieval squad that came after them. And he's like, Moya is going to get hurt because this retrieval squad is going to keep coming and coming just like I did. He doesn't say just like I did, but yes. I mean. <laughs> there needs to be someone chasing them and Scorpius is dead, so. Yeah, totally dead. Absolutely dead. Definitely not coming back. It seems weird that they were able to injure Talon because I thought Talon's thing was that he was like the most dangerous little dude in the universe. That's why we're supposed to be scared because the retrieval squad is powerful enough to injure Talon, someone who can't be injured by anything. Oh, this is, this, this is the Dragon Ball Z slash Supernatural thing where... Oh, we beat up the devil, but oh no, it's the devil's big brother that no one knew about. Oh, oh, we killed him. Oh, it turns out there was an even bigger brother behind him. Yep, it's Billy Goat's gruff all the way down. <laughs> uh, that's never tedious at all. So, Crace ends up alone with Aaron. John takes off, and he's like, Aaron, I want to tell you something that I didn't want to tell John. The leader of the retrieval squad... Is your mother! I think I've already overdone-done-done for this episode, but done-done-done. I feel like, I feel like you done-done-done a lot, like, it's kind of your thing. Like, maybe we should make done-done-done shirts. I don't think you can, uh, own done-done-done. No, but you can make shirts that say it. Mm. So, Crace also gives Erin, um, a recording of the moment that she told John about ages and ages ago, where she was asleep in the uh, peacekeeper creche, and her mother came to her to tell her, hey, guess what? Your dad and I loved each other, and I got pregnant on purpose, so you are special. 
And this means that the peacekeepers knew about this moment. And they know that this woman is Aaron's mother. And they chose her to lead the squad to go after Talon, hoping that it would cause Aaron to not fight her hardest to protect Talon. Honestly, the Aaron and her mom stuff is, like, head and shoulders the high point of this episode. Mm Mm-hmm. It should have been more of the episode. I just... I get what they were doing with the planet, but... I just... I zoned out every time they went back to the, uh, you know, Oh, is he gonna listen to the prince or the princess? And and the weird truth-telling lobster thing. I was like, ugh. Just out. Okay. I'm sorry, I know you like... No, it's okay. You don't have to like everything I like. I do want to say a couple things about the scene with Aaron's mother, though. Mm Mm-hmm. When she describes it to John, there's kind of this joke where she's like, and then this person appeared. This grizzled soldier. Weather-beaten, scarred. And John's like, your dad? And she says, no, my mom. And it was it's a little joke, but uh, that's, that's not how they cast this part. No. Uh, and this woman looks tough, but she's not like Cable. Right, exactly. Because you go, you you hear that story and you expect Lady Cable. Cable, the guy from, I, I guess I don't need to explain that. He was in Deadpool too. Yeah. He has, you know, he, he's, he's in the He's tomb. well known enough now, yeah. yeah. Continuing on about this scene, I also really love the completely emotionless way that child Aaron reacts to this news. She doesn't say anything. She just kind of looks with wide eyes, nods, and then goes back to sleep. Well, I mean... That doesn't really mean anything to her. It's basically if someone came up to you and was like, Tina, you never knew this, but I was your blorp blomp. No, that's, I, I, I'm not being sarcastic. I love it. I love yeah. the way she's like, okay. Okay. Thank you for saying words at me, random stranger. <laughs> and then finally, the, uh, the idea that Crace is like, somehow they know that you're connected to, to talent. It's like, um, do they know that? Because... Talon is the child of the ship that Aaron was last seen on, and also because it's named after Aaron's father? Like, how could they possibly have figured this out? Yeah, yeah, it seems, uh, do you know who the moon princess is? Sailor Venus? I don't know, Sailor Moon. Do you know who the moon princess is? Okay, so having never watched Sailor Moon? Yeah. I mean, I I would obviously think that Sailor Moon is, like, uh, a, a lieutenant to the moon because it's Sailor Moon. Mm. But yeah, no, I get your point. I mean, I mostly know it through a podcast that I stopped listening to that talked about it. But, uh, I mean, they, they all had different planet names except for her, though. That's and, true, and yeah. They, I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess it would make sense that if she was like the first lieutenant or whatever, but. The first lieutenant of the moon! <laughs> Uh, all right, so John is with Jewel, and Jewel's like, all right, I have this giant nasty-looking knife. Now let me cut a large chunk of your flesh off so that I can test you. And he's like, oh, I don't like that. And she's like, this is what you asked me to do! So... John's like, how about if instead of taking it off my ass, you take it off of my arm? And she, like, jumps in with the with the scalpel and just takes a slice off. You know, human people can do that with, like, swabs. She said it has to be skin. Okay, is she being a dick, or is she just not good? I mean, I guess not 
not good because it's probably difficult for her because she's not used to doing this with aliens or whatever, but it seems weird that Earth technology is better than alien tech at this sort of thing. Yeah, it does. Although maybe it's just that this kind of tech is primitive by Jewel's standards. Like, maybe Jewel, if she had her own stuff, could do it with just a swab. But, I mean, it shouldn't be primitive by Earth standards. Well, I mean, this is just stuff that was hobbled together by Xan. So, this is like... Honestly, I think a DNA test would be one of the first things you'd want. Yeah. Given everything that happens in Moya. I'm just saying, this is like somebody who has taken, like, a couple of college biology classes trying to practice medicine with the stuff that is in, like, a crystal healer's medicine cabinet. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's not it's not ideal circumstances. The, uh, down on the planet, the prince and his advisor find out that the ship hasn't left orbit yet, so they start firing missiles, which is not cool. And, I mean, they can't even see what the ship is. And they're like, eh, just, just shoot concussion missiles at the general space where we know it is. That's a terrible idea. I mean, I just... Like, the the way you sold this episode sounds interesting. And the way you keep on describing the conflict sounds interesting. But what they're doing is they're just like, hmm, let's do this stupidest possible thing over and over and over again. Yeah, but it's not our people being stupid. It's the people on the planet being stupid. And I don't have a problem with that because that is how they are established to be. That's... It's frustrating for me to watch. It's like if Dargo was a planet. (laughs) Oh my god, it kind of is. Anyway, over on Talon, Stark is like... I will help lead you into death, Talon. And John is like, no, how about you help me power up the weapons instead? It's not really, that's not really Stark's bag, John. You get him if he needs to guide someone into death or, I guess, accidentally cause a genocide. Maybe you should just not get Stark for stuff. Yeah. Stark is also someone who you should probably just leave in his room most of the time. <laughs> oh. I mean, they needed an extra pair of hands, but you're right. He does go to the let me lead you into death thing pretty quickly. Now, they can't go up. They can't ascend because then the retrieval squad will see them. So the John on Talon says, take us down below the cloud layer. And I really like this moment because the John on Moya is like, "Ah, I know exactly what he's about to do because we are one and the same. So let's get him a communications channel so that he can uh, talk to the people on the planet. Wasn't there a thing about Leviathans not being able to be in atmospheres or they'd explode or something? Yeah. So we're just ignoring that then? Yep. Okay. Just just making sure. No, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, we are. <laughs> we, we, we are. I, I was going to say young Leviathans can do it easier than older Leviathans like Moya, but... Um, Moya's also doing it? Yeah, Moya's also doing it. But that's why Talon was able to blow up the Shadow Depository. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, John opens the comms channel and is like, Hey, planet full of Dargos! I blew up a Shadow Depository with this ship! Like, do you want me to blow up your planet? I just want to buy shit! Yeah, like... (laughs) 
Like, the prince is like, level another attack, and John's like, okay, did you not notice that your first attack did basically nothing but piss us off? Like, seriously, how stupid are you? We just want to buy stuff. Please, please don't make us blow you up. This is basically like Pretty Woman. She just wants to shop, and they're all like, we don't have anything here for you. And this is John coming back and being like, you work on commission, right? Big mistake. Uh, John comes down to the planet, because the king asks him to, and he's like, all right, can we shop now? Yeah, he he points out, he's like, okay, how does your planet work? We come here to buy something. We don't threaten you. We don't harass you. We don't do anything but show up and try to buy stuff, and you blow us up. Do you not know how capitalism works? Because you've got, like, the general vibe of it, but you need people to be alive to buy stuff. And the prince is like, you're a criminal. And John's like, no, I'm a legitimate businessman. Very mob boss feels here. But this also establishes the uh, the truth lobster that they have on this planet. I mean, it's a head crab. Yeah, the head crab. The head crab that... Uh, Crawls up onto your head, and it has, it's, it's particularly sensitive to. It's got, like, this psychic energy thing where it, uh, it reads your emotional state or whatever, and if you tell the truth, it won't kill you, but if you lie, then it'll inject something into the, into your spine or whatever that kills you instantly. Yeah, well, it, it senses cognitive dissonance, and it doesn't like it, I guess, so if... You lie, it shoves its pincer into your forehead and, like, pierces your brain. Later, we will see a version of this with that weird, super out-of-place tentacle monster in the worst Star Wars movie. Yeah, totally stole it from, from Farscape. Farscape is, like, the science fiction that other science fiction steals from. It's, it's like, the sci-fi's sci-fi. So it's been, like, many, many decades since there was a good Star Wars movie. I mean... I liked The Force Awakens before they undid everything I liked about The Force Awakens in the next two. Yeah, but I mean, that was just a re- it was a remake of A New Hope. It's basically the same movie. Uh, I enjoyed yeah. Rise of the Skywalkers while I was watching- or Rise of the Skywalker while I was watching it, but it was- it did not stand up to deeper scrutiny, or honestly, mild scrutiny. I had some fun while I was watching it, but it was way too long and way too full of itself, and it didn't make internal sense. And you don't just go, somehow Palpatine came back. Really? Oh, no, you had to have played Fortnite. Fortnite. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I missed the Fortnite tie-in event that made that movie make perfect sense. Oh, the the way we do franchise properties now is ludicrous. Oh. Anyway, they asked John, like, what are you really here for? And he's like, to buy the fucking chemicals that I said I was here to buy. And they're like, are you going to use them as weapons? And he's like, no. And they're like, oh, I guess that there was no reason for us to do any of this. Except they don't because it's still a thing for the rest of the episode for some reason. Well, yes and no. I mean, the the big thing is that the prince continues to not want to deal with them. I mean, they are criminals they are criminals on the run who did blow up a shadow depository he's not wrong he's just also a giant dick also the fact that he took the stand that they shouldn't deal with them at the beginning 
and his sister took the stand that they should sell to them means that if they sell to them, it will enhance his sister's position. So he has to dig in and be like, no, we can't sell to them. Oh, this is going to end great for him. (laughs) It's basically a, a, I was going to say stupid or hawk and dove, the original one. Right. I mean, it's not quite. Do you know the deal with the original hawk and dove? Yeah, the brothers who are like peace and war. Yeah, there are two brothers who are given superpowers by the, I think it's the Lords of Order and the Lords of Chaos. Uh, and, you know, they represent, you know, peace. And, peace and war, yeah. And, uh, but the thing is, it, it was supposed to be the whole thing was that it was written by a, uh, well, it was, it was done by Steve Ditko and a very liberal person whose name I don't remember off the top of my head. And the whole thing was like, oh, it's supposed to be a conversation between a conservative person and a liberal person. And it ended up just being, I mean, I love the original run of Hawk and Dove. They're not good comics, but because Hawk is a violent asshole who never gets anything done. Mm-hmm. Because he, he leaps into every situation, you know, just flailing his fists and trying to beat the crap out of everyone. And Dove is a huge wuss who doesn't want to interfere in anything ever. And their dad is supposed to be, like, he he's a judge and he's supposed to be, like, the balance between the two. But he doesn't ever actually resolve any issues. He just tells the two of them that the way they're handling situations is wrong. Wait, is it secretly a comic about how centrists are the worst of both worlds? No. I mean, it, it def- that's definitely the read I got from it when reading it. But no, the dad is supposed to be, like, the reasonable guy who's like, no, you have to take each situation as it comes. But he never actually offers any solutions. He just tells them they're both wrong. I mean... You uh, just yes. you just defined centrists. They never offer any solutions. They just say both sides are wrong. Ah, uh, so over on Talon, Grace has come over to talk to Aaron and try to tell her that she should reach out to her mother when they inevitably clash and try to get her to quit the peacekeepers the way Grace and Aaron did. Yeah, I have a feeling that's not going to go well. No, no, it is not. So, Dargo is talking to John about how the prince guy or whatever is like, look, we don't have all of the chromectin you need. We're going to need to get it from a bunch of vendors from around the planet or whatever. And Dargo's like, but I think he's, I think he, I think it's bullshit. I think that they don't have the chromectin we need and they're just wasting our time for no reason. Yeah, I guess it's not a thing that's, you know, plentiful. It's like, it's like asking for vibranium. Yeah. So, even though it's on the planet, it's not like they can just give them all of the amount that they need. And they're having this conversation in a bar, and a waitress comes up to John and hands him a giant black zucchini-looking thing. And he's like, oh my. And Shiana's like, not now, John. It's a phone. It's obviously a phone receiver. I know you're trying to be cute, but it's obviously a phone receiver. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's the princess, and Joan's like, God, I'm not going to have to get you pregnant too, am I? <laughs> right? I would be I would be so once bitten twice shy if I was John every time I went to a planet. Yeah. Especially a planet with people like this who are clearly Sebation offshoots. Yeah. And I mean this is a lot like that Sebation thing. We've got a prince and a princess who are at odds, blah blah blah. She wants to meet him in a private corridor and she and he's like, Oh god, she's either gonna try to have sex with me or kill me. This or is both. Like, yeah. This is always how this sort of thing goes. So he goes to the secret alley. It's very it's very noir looking. Like it's shot like a noir. There's like a Dutch angle and she come it's raining and when she walks she's in silhouette. Yeah. 
she takes him into a refreshment house and he's like, won't we get in trouble? And she's like, I own this. I'm, I, I own a lot of things, John. I'm a princess. And while they're having their conversation, we see like a, 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 a scaly red hand, like a lizard hand, put... Okay. A little goo monster. Yeah. I, I really like this. Uh, it puts like a little red goo monster and a little blue goo monster through the ventilation and we see them moving towards each other mm-hmm. and well once they do get together at the end of this scene they explode and i think that's a really cool way to do a, a sci-fi bomb yeah yeah it's like a less dumb version of the uh snake assassination from the second from star wars episode two the the prequel uh oh yeah 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 when, when there's like a gun that shoots snakes into a room <laughs> Yes. I think Star Wars is mostly bad, honestly. I feel like there are maybe three good Star Wars movies. Well, I don't personally believe that you have to choose, but if you did have to choose, I would definitely be Star Trek over Star Wars. So. Yeah. It's weird because I always thought of myself as a Star Wars person, but over the past few years, I'm going more towards... Maybe I haven't... I'm not a sci-fi person, so maybe I haven't given... Because I know there's a lot of extended, like cartoons and comics and video games or whatever but i just i can't be that invested in star wars i'm sorry but you married a trekkie so i've been able to show you all of the uh the most glorious star trek episodes and bring you over to our side yes but again i only like star trek when it's being stupid and well i good news max it's most of star trek (laughs) yeah oh so before before the two putty monsters meet up and explode, John and the princess are having a discussion about how essentially their father has king leered them and told them that they have to lead together after he's dead. And that has not been um, a thing that either of them has liked. So, you know, they're basically always fighting, always at odds. It's pretty terrible. Mm. And then there's an explosion. Yes, the two blob creatures, you know, two become one, and then they blow up, and we see the explosion from multiple angles, and I guess John is dead forever, and the princess. Well, I mean, we're not really supposed to think either of them is dead, but when we cut we cut to commercial, and then when we come back, it's obviously been really bad. Like, this isn't this isn't just a, a minor explosion that pushed you backwards, like they sometimes are on TV. Like, whole pieces of the refreshment house have collapsed, and... John and the princess are trapped under rubble, and they're both really, really messed up. Mm. And Chiana and Darga, who have been waiting for John, hear the explosion, and of course they come running. So the princess, uh, the princess says, "Come to finish the job, my brother." And we hear the hissing of the amphibian creature. Yeah. So um, I don't think we're meant to know it now, but what happens here is that the princess dies and the amphibian creature takes her place oh yeah i didn't get that yeah that's what happens just now but we're not meant to know it until the end of the episode and uh the people on the planet never know it which is pretty fucked up yeah boy that king really burns through his kids spoiler alert yeah no i mean i i don't know what his plan is i mean now whole planet full of dargos (laughs) Oh, so injured John is brought back to Moya, and I, God, I love, Aaron comes running when she hears that he's hurt. Like, she is in a panic about John being hurt. 
And Jewel is trying to fix him. And she's like, yeah, he's lost too much blood. And Dargo's like, we all have blood. And she's like, okay, it's a lot more complicated than that. You need to have, like, you you need to be a match. Like, Dargo's like, you're close enough to him. Can't you just give him your blood? And she's like, no, blood types are a thing. Even when species are similar, you need matching blood types. And uh, Aaron's like, isn't there, isn't there a guy who has, like, blood that's kind of exactly like his? Well, so, you know, the second John steps up and is like, yeah, use my blood. It's fine. But I like no one asks him, even though, as you said, it's really obvious that he should do it. But no one asks him because... They just assume that, you know... He wants the other John to die. Which, no, John does not hate himself that much. Which is good. So he saves the other John's life, and then Jewel comes to tell him, hey, guess what? Neither of you are clones. You are both John Crichton. It's exactly what that weird cannibal guy told you it was. Yep. You're both the exact same person. And uh, John's all bummed out, and Jewel's like, do you not have twins on your planet? Like, this isn't a new thing. And he's like, well... Twins are different because they're, you know... They're individual humans. They had, they don't share the same life up until they're 25 and then suddenly become two people. Jill's like, John, gonna need you to do me a big favor and stop being a giant goddamn baby about this. She's like, what happened to me is way worse than what happened to you. So, uh, no. Oh, boohoo, there's two of me. Grow up. That's not even the most traumatizing thing that's happened to you. Right? It's not even, like, top ten most traumatizing things that have happened to you. Uh, so, down on the planet, the princess, who's really the amphibian creature, but uh, the princess is saying that, you know, it must have been some weird sabotage. It was definitely not her conspiring with Crichton, who wasn't even there. And her brother's like, people saw him there, so uh, maybe he was there. And Crichton completely uninjured because you know it's the other Crichton. so there are two people who weren't the people who were in the explosion here in this room right now i hadn't thought about it like that but yeah that's exactly what's going on yeah huh anyway the other Crichton walks in and is like hey i'm here to buy that chromexin and they're like um didn't you weren't you in an explosion last night and he's like uh no he's like Put the lobster on my head and everything. I wasn't in an explosion. Yeah, yeah. He gets really tired of them, like, questioning him. So he he says, uh, cross my heart and wish me dead. Put a lobster on my head. And he reaches into the tank and he pulls out the lobster and he says, I'm John Crichton, an astronaut. A radiation wave hit and I was shot through a wormhole. No. Uh. <laughs> he, he says, I, I am John Crichton. And I was not at the refreshment house. And I am not trying to overthrow anyone on your planet. I don't give a shit about your planet. I literally don't care what happens to any of you people. I don't like you, but I don't care if I don't care what happens to you. I mean you no harm. I just want what I want and I want to leave. And the lobster says he's telling the truth. He does not like you. I, no, the lobster doesn't say anything. But it also doesn't pierce John's brain. So... Yeah. He also does this weird, like, country boy thing that I always crack up when Ben Browder tries to do because it's so ridiculous where he's like, wow, this would be good eating down south. What are you doing, Ben Browder? <laughs> right? We've got a lot of your weird fake southern accent. It's 
it's not your strong suit, maybe don't go to it all the time. Yeah, right? Uh. But yes, as John has emphasized many times, they're wasting so much time with this. Right? And I mean, they have said that they need it for medical purposes, so it should make sense to them why John is so anxious to get it, because Talon is up there dying! And again, no reason. No reason for it. No reason for any of this. Right? So Aaron asks John, uh, other John, John, who was in the explosion, how he's doing, and he's like, I'm doing fine, but I have a scar now. I am Scar John, or Scar Joe. <laughs> I'm Scar Joe, and uh, other John didn't need to save me, but he did, and, you know, that's neat. Yeah. They uh, they decide that they're going to take the partial load of Chromexin that they have, because I guess that wasn't a ruse. The planet really doesn't have a lot of it. Mm. So they're going to take the partial load that they have now over to Talon, and they're going to apply that now and get Talon as healed up as they can, and then Talon is going to starburst as soon as he's able so that he doesn't lead the retrieval squad to Moya. Mm. And John's like, do you really, you really trust uh, Grace? And Aaron's like, I don't trust him, but I trust his motivations. I trust that he wants what's best for Talon. Yep. So I don't trust him, but I do trust him. Mm-hmm. So over on Talon, Chiana... Stark and Rigel are spreading the Chromexin on Talon, and it all seems to be going well for like a second, and then Talon starts seizing up. It turns out that this stuff is cut with something bad. Wah, wah. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's cut with one of the, uh, the forbidden cargoes. Hey, continuity. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's only partially Chromexin. It's also another chemical that numbs uh, leviathans and the combination of the two of them of the stimulant and the numbing agent just like threw him all all out of whack Hmm. so and it's it's interesting that they assume it's sabotage and that they're right it is sabotage it is the chlorium, the chlorium, which is the same things from the same chemical from uh, IET. Yes. But the chlorium was put in there to sabotage Talon. But my assumption would have been they were cutting it to cheat us because they don't have enough, and they didn't know we were going to rub it on a Leviathan because yeah. that's not going to be your first guess. But I mean, they they were right, so. Jumping to the right conclusion. <laughs> uh, so they're going to filter the poison out using Moya. Moya's going to filter out the chlorium, and so they will have some Chromexin for, for Talon. Yeah, and Moya's spaced legs will just be asleep for a little while. Yeah, she's just going to get a little high. Uh, also, I thought you might like this. John says, can you filter out the poison like you did with Zan? Because I, I feel like you like it when they remember they can do things. Mm. So... John and Aaron are headed over to Talon because as soon as he has enough of the uh, the Chromexin, he's going to have to take off. And Aaron's like, you know, we're going to have to go immediately. I'm, We're going to be on Talon. And John's like, yeah, that's why I came with you, Aaron. I want to be with you. Also, you packed a suitcase. I figured you didn't think you were coming back right away. 
And while that John is running off with Aaron, the John on the planet is beating up the prince guy and is like, hey, you tried to poison my ship! And then he starts yelling, who's your daddy, for basically no reason. I don't understand it. And he, he's like, hey, Darko, who's this guy's daddy? And Darko's like, I'm his daddy, which, what? What? Okay, so first of all, he says, he says, you've been lying to your daddy, by which he means the king. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he's beating him up and screaming this. And he says, he says, you shouldn't lie to your daddy. Who's your daddy? Dargo, tell him who his daddy is. And Dargo says, I'm your daddy, which is meant to indicate that he and John have been hanging out enough and getting enough bro time that Dargo has picked up some earthisms. Okay. Okay. Anyway, John puts a lobster on the prince's head and the king is horrified. He's like, he's a prince. You shouldn't do that to a prince, which is like, um, then what's the point of even having these things? Also, you're not going to like call in guards or something? This is... I mean, I guess he's a little suspicious of the prince, too, because he allows John, like, he allows John to question him, and he's like, oh, but by the way, if you've got a strong enough disciplined mind, then the lobster won't kill you, and John's like, so what's the point of it, then? Right? Well, I mean, it's true that if you, if you know how, you can trick a lie detector, so I guess the lobster is only slightly more, uh reliant than a lie detector which by the way are really not reliant that's why most courts don't let you use them as evidence yeah but he asked the guy you know are you did you poison the chromexin and he's like no and he's like did you blow up the refreshment house And he's like no and he's like did you try to sabotage us And he's like no i don't like you i didn't want you to get the chromexin but my father overruled me and john's like Ugh, look at you you're so loyal John, it feels like you're being, it feels like this is an unnecessary thing, but... Well, no, no, no. I mean, when he says you're being so loyal, there's, like, an awkward pause. And the king is like, say that you're loyal. He's like, have you been disloyal? You swore an oath to this family. Have you dishonored it? Have you been loyal or not? And the guy says that he has, uh, that he has been loyal, and then he gets killed by the crab thing, which... Well, I, I mean, because he, he has been plotting against his sister, even though he swore not to. He has been trying to become the sole ruler. It has been a shit show. It's just that he wasn't actually taking part in a plot to sabotage them in this instance. You'd think he would know to answer correctly, though. I mean, maybe he thought he had a disciplined enough mind. Mm. But the king's like, great, now I'm two for two in the dead kids department. Except I mean, he, he doesn't, doesn't know. know that, but... He's like, you need to leave now. My, my, my kid is dead because of you. And like, I'm not going to retaliate or anything, but you need to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just to be clear, we go back to Talon and I just want to clarify who is on Talon. Aaron, John, Crace, Stark, and Rigel are on Talon trying to get him healed up enough that he can starburst away. Hmm. Because those are the people that are going to be stuck on Talon when Talon star bursts away. Yes. Leaving other John, Jewel, Dargo, and Chiana on Moya. So, back on the planet, the princess kills the... Stands up. She's been, she's been in a wheelchair because of her injuries. But, of course, they're not real injuries because she's the lizard person. She tells the king, you need to fire missiles at those guys. They killed my brother. They killed your son. You need to fire missiles. And the king's like... No, 
this was a family thing. You know that. We need to let them go. They're not responsible for your brother's death. He was responsible for his death. And she's like, mm, okay. She And she pulls out like a life support thing that he was wearing. And then she's like, okay, fire missiles at them now. <laughs> yeah. I'm queen now, fire missiles. I, I like that she does a thing where she tries to maintain her cover. She's like, father, we must do it. And he's like, no. She's like, you know what? Never mind. I'm just going to kill him. Bored now. <laughs> For, for a shapeshifter, I don't really have that much interest in staying undercover. <laughs> right? Uh, so, the, uh, so they start firing missiles, and they're like, and, and up on Moya, Moya and, and the crew are like, Talon, you have to go, you have to get away, starburst away. And Talon apparently is like, I can't, I'm still too weak. And Krace is like, you can do it! And Talon's like, okay! And Talon starbursts away, and then Moya, once she sees that her child has starburst to safety, mm-hmm. starbursts away as well. Splitting the party. Yep. And then we get one last noir shot on the planet. Again, the same alleyway, the same rain coming down. And we see uh, we see the princess looking through a pane of glass with rain coming down it, like, like whenever anybody was sad on Friends. Yes. I assume she was in, like, a prison thing. No, I think she's... No, no, I think that's just what we've seen as the uh, the architecture of this place. Okay. I assumed that she was in jail for killing her dad. Nope. She's queen now. I mean, she would be if she wasn't a shape-shifting alien. Mm. So, she starts convulsing, and this is where we as the audience, I think... I think this is where we as the audience are first meant to see that she's actually the lizard thing we saw blow up the refreshment house. It's very cool. Yeah, it's a it's a good effect. Very like uh an American werewolf in Paris. Yeah, it is very gross and visceral and Cronenbergian. Oh yeah. And there's an old I, I assumed he was a guard or something, but I guess he's just some old guy who's walking down an alley with a package and uh Yeah, just the guy who's unfortunate enough to be <laughs> to be there when uh When she fully transforms. The thing is, it's basically if a xenomorph had no skin. That's the design. Yeah, it's like a xenomorph in uh, Attack on Titan. Yes. Wow, yeah. So, the creature is approached by Aaron's mom. Dun, dun, dun. And it's like, I was responsible for everything. I did the explosion. I poisoned the medicine. Blah, blah, blah. But I failed you, so I guess you're going to kill me now. And Aaron's mom's like, no like no i mean you you basically succeeded like yes they got away but talent's still injured we know where they are like what kind of idiot would kill a loyal person who didn't manage to entirely succeed in their mission what kind of idiot would do that (laughs) oh Chris. It is weird. I mean, I guess it's a retrieval squad. I guess it's another one of those uh, peacekeepers, secret ops, whatever. But it is weird that a peacekeeper would be working with such an alien alien. It, yeah. it is it is out of character for peacekeepers. Anyway, we we get the we get the download on Moya where John is all pissed that the other John took all the good stuff over to. Talon. The other John took his notebook and his favorite blaster. And his girlfriend. Yeah, and his girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Although, to John's credit, he doesn't say that he took Aaron. That is to his credit. 
there's I've watched a bunch of the very classic George of the Jungle cartoons, mm-hmm. which have a very unfortunate thing of referring to Ursula as uh, George's property. Oof. It's it's in a lot of them. Oof. I like that Dargo is um is like okay, but you would have done exactly the same thing because that's the whole deal, John. Remember? He's you. <laughs> and John's like ah. Well, I hope he's happy. Wait, no, I hope he's unhappy. No, I just, I hope he takes care of Aaron. And Dargo's like, oh, I'm sure he's taking care of Aaron. It's ScarJo, right? ScarJo's the one with Aaron? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, Dargo, that's so rude. He just lost his girlfriend. <laughs> and then... Uh, Did he, though? He lost his girlfriend to himself. It's It's weird. It's true. Anyway, then uh, Rigel and and Stark learn that they are stuck on Talon as well. And also, since Talon isn't fully grown, they're going to have to share a room. They're the original odd couple. They, they are really going to play this as a comedy bit in the next few episodes. Oh, that's going to be excruciating. I love Stark, but I hate Rigel. And the very little bit of comedy we get with, you know, because Stark's like... My side, your side, my side, your side. And Rigel's like, don't, don't. And for once I am on Rigel's side, please don't do this. It seems like it's such bad comedy. Well, also, it's like, Stark, why do you keep making comedic reference to the time that you were imprisoned and tortured? That's bizarre. He's been through a lot. He accidentally caused a genocide a couple episodes ago. I mean... Did he or did John? No, John did. But he was the instrument through which John caused a genocide. So I would imagine you would feel guilty about that. Yeah. So uh, on Talon, uh, Aaron also fills in this John Scarjo about how uh, how the retrieval squad is being led by her mother. But she also makes it very clear that her loyalties are to Talon and that she will fucking straight up murder her mom to protect Talon. And that's it for this episode. So, the thing is, I feel like this episode has a plot I should like. It has a lot of stuff that should work, mm-hmm. but it just never clicked for me. Hmm. Because I like the concept that there's this... It, it feels like it didn't really go into any of the stuff enough. The whole, there's this planet that has all of these internal conflicts, and they assume that the Moyer crew are here to deal with them because they think they're so important. Uh-huh. Like, that's barely mentioned and it should really be more of the crux of the episode yeah i mean so uh on on my other new podcast where i'm talking about tie-in novels Mm -hmm. the thing that inspired me to do that was my love of star trek tie-in novels and i'm learning that other properties do not have as good tie-in novels as star trek does and one of the things i always loved about star trek tie-in novels was the way that they really filled out the alien worlds in a way that we don't really have time for on the show. Mm. And maybe this episode would have been better as a novel where we actually got to fill in more about the people on this planet so that we got to care about them. And then it was like, yeah, but Moya's got other stuff to do. Like, um, uh, like the episode, episode, like the issue of X-Men where we see the guards who get murdered. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the end of Thanks for Sharing. The next episode is Green-Eyed Monster, and the description of that is, Talon is swallowed by a budong and is drawn towards the giant space creature's inferno of a stomach. 
Okay, so it's like a Jonah thing, or... Yeah, the Leviathan is swallowed by a different, bigger space whale. There's always a bigger space whale! Although, remember, we've seen Budongs before. We saw the dead Budong that was the mining colony where Chiana used to live. Yeah, yeah. This is a live Budong. Okay. 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 Yeah. I think that'll bring us to our segments... Yes! Yes, we have three segments on this show. Our first segment is a distant part of the universe. What world building worked for you in this episode? Okay, so it's probably going to sound weird, but I do like that there this episode established that there are actually just a ton of like black ops things in the Peacekeepers because none of them talk to each other. I do like them kind of revealing that this fascist organization is not well organized at all so you've got all of these just secret groups doing whatever yeah like evil contains the seeds of its own destruction the fact that they don't trust each other means that there's just so many secret ops people out there yeah um okay well so mine is relatively minor other than the whole episode where i like that it expands the world uh, a relatively minor thing but i really like the explosion putty oh yeah that is a cool thing and it's it's unique, you know? It's it's a science fiction thing that is actually interesting and different. Um, I was actually, before we started recording, listening to an episode of the podcast Extra Hot Great. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dave Cole, one of the hosts of that podcast, was talking about the Battlestar Galactica paper that just doesn't have corners to show that it's alien. Yeah. And he was talking about the trope of things that are just different enough, that they're easy to do, but, you know... And uh, this is the opposite of that. This is like an actual thoughtful, different thing. Yeah. Our second segment is... Strange Alien Creatures, which I feel like it's going to be obvious it's the shape-shifting alien. Yes, and the shape-shifting effect itself, which looked so good. I mean... It's so gross and cool-looking. and It's one of the best effects we've seen on Farscape, I think. Oh yeah, by a lot. Well, not by a lot, but yes. I feel like it must have been the most expensive special effect we've seen yet. This must have been a pretty expensive episode, actually. I mean, maybe that's why all of the rest of it just took place in bars. (sighs) All the money in this episode went to, uh... (laughs) Next episode, they're just going to be sitting in a closet. Well, the whole next episode just takes place in some other creature's stomach. Mm. (laughs) And our final segment is The Wonders That I've Seen, which is what emotionally resonated with you in this episode. I mean, I like the stuff with Aaron's mom. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the strongest part of the episode, emotionally speaking, for me. Uh, it it definitely made me want to see more of Aaron's mom and her squad. Because you really get the feeling that she's very atypical for a peacekeeper. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that she's kind of a weird reflection of John. I, I want to see if this might just be me pulling bullshit out of nothing, but... The way we see her operate, albeit very briefly, she seems like she's weaponizing the power of friendship. Oh, oh, interesting. Let's dig into that as we get into it. Especially because we didn't mention it, but Crace said to Aaron, you can show her that she can be more, which is, of course, what Aaron's boyfriend that she killed said to her, and then what John said, and it's the thing that John said that made her go with him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, oh, let's, let's, let's examine that going forward. Because a lot of the Peacekeeper stuff seems to be about not having these emotional connections, and the fact that Aaron's mom 
seems like she's kind of weaponized that is interesting. It's interesting that she's going against her culture to make herself a better warrior. Yeah, especially because peacekeeper control seems to break down as soon as people form connections. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, we are. Yes, I am very excited to talk about this more as we see more of Aaron's mother. Yes. So I think that does it for us this week. Yeah, I think that'll about do it. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of our supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, Kate, and Jen. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. <laughs>